Hi, everyone. Wow, that was a very positive hello. This is actually a pre-intro to the episode because there's like a second intro I do uh, where my guest was actually in the room when I did the intro. But I just want to let you know, this is Nick Flanagan Weekly. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. I am Nick Flanagan. And this is a show that has some spoilers for some movies. So, you know, Uncut Gems, The Irishman, Parasite, maybe a couple more. Uh, there are minor spoilers and major spoilers within because we're rounding out the movies of the year. So maybe what you want to do is uh, watch the movies of 2019 and listen to this because AL is uh, real bright and he's got some good takes on them. So yeah, I just want to let you know there there is some uh, spoiler edge in this episode with AL Senior. Okay, take care. Thanks. <laughs> All right, let's take it from five, four, three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. Today's guest is A.L. Sr. Hey, how you doing? Uh, normally, this is where I introduce A.L., and he's not there, but now I'm here to say, you know A.L., I do every second Sunday of every month, Barring December, sometimes uh, we I, he allows me to, to take part and actually even take the title of his residency at mm. the Transact. You do, thank you. Three. We do enjoy each other's company, don't we, Nick? It's a great time. It's kind of like a mutual admiration society. Mutual admiration society. Ever since coming back, uh, I've been able to avail myself to your kindness, collaboration, friendship. It's been. Uh, almost the only nice thing about being back in this godforsaken city. And with that, here's the intro. Here's a new song from the Pet Shop Boys. Can I do vocals and on this? Nick you want me to do a theme song with you on this? <laughs> That's all you got. That's all you got. I took a drink once I saw the drink was brown. You doing Lizard King? Give me some beats. I looked in the bottle. What a wonderful world it will be. In my opinion, nation, the sun is gonna surely shine. podcast before have you ever tried to talk to a white guy about the things that he likes can you convince (laughs) there was hair on my tv remote control and i nailed it did you go see laurie anderson no but let me just say this introduction first and then we'll talk about laurie anderson once we get into the real episode AL Senior can be found at alsenior.bandcamp.com. Oh, yeah? You're giving my Bandcamp? Dream Weapon Films on YouTube. Is that what it is? Sacred Sacred Lamp. Every second Sunday. Go to it. You're going to have fun. All we need are 11 of you. Every Bring time. a friend. Bring two. And honestly, when we say play what you can, it's actually P-H-Y-C. Pay highest you uh, can. You know... Uh, we seem to make a, a good living out of it. Hey. And yes. you know, with what we're making from the Patreon, 
<laughs> Things are looking good for that feature we want to cut this summer. That reminds me, patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan, ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan, ko-fi, ko-fi. And AL Senior, just give him money if you see him on the street. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the episode. Yeah, yeah, get yeah. Ready. Here's AL Senior. And as soon as we start, we're going to talk about if I saw Laurie Anderson, which I didn't. AL Senior, everyone. Heard. Hi, AL. Good to see you. <laughs> it's good to be seen. And thank you for that wonderful reception in the green room earlier. And yeah, um, we've got a green room here. It was pretty great. There's only one green room that I've been in that has been as impressive as that one. What was that green room? It was the green room <clears throat> in the tiny little club in Tel Aviv that I played a couple summers ago. Yeah? And uh, So you don't do BDS? <laughs> Check. BDS. I don't BDS. Um... <laughs> But, uh, so, so what was that green room in Tel Aviv like? Why was it so good? Oh, just... You gotta watch oh, the, oh, the noises. I, I think I... Everything's fine. I think I moved everything. It's cool. You just gotta watch noises on this. You can even keep that on it. Oh. It's fine. Okay. And we're back. And we're back. The green room. What was so special in Tel Aviv? Hummus? Very good hummus? Yeah. Fluffy? Yeah. Hummus. hummus. Who who invented hummus? Oh, now you're trying to start a problem. Who invented hummus? Um, Jesus. Where does it come from? Muhammad. Where is it going? Uh, Moses. How much does it cost and where can I get some? That's what I want to know. I, I'm looking for the great hummuses. <laughs> the hummus the wars. There was a great, there was a place that had great hummus. Wasn't there it, a podcast called The Hummus Wars? <laughs> and it's just people talking about hummus? Hardcore hummus history. What do you know about it? What do you? I mean, how how deep does your knowledge of obscure and esoteric podcasting go? Like, you, are you on the pulse? No. Of, like, is there one that's really you know blowing your balloon right now? Um, no. I mean, not really. Like, I listened to the mental illness happy hour with uh, Paul Gilmartin. You know that one? Oh yeah. And uh, I like it, but I, at the same time, it, it's got a lot of uh, tragedy and a lot of like self-help stuff, and it just can be pretty extreme. But I listen to it that can regularly. Be too much. I listen to that regularly, and I watch. You know what I do, Al? Is I watch the Majority Report uh, with Sam Cedar on uh, YouTube a lot. It's also, and I mean, I'm pathetic, man. It's like Democracy Now, Majority Report with Sam Cedar. Like, okay. I like watching people get clowned, and that's what uh, Majority Report supplies, as well as some politics I like. But I have political issues with uh, the, the whole thing happening right now. is very stressful. Have you been getting very political um, in your work recently? <laughs> no, not... And I mean, you know... I mean, I'm getting reactive. Like, I have reactions about, <laughs> like, the Bernie Sanders-Warren thing. I think Bernie Sanders is... Although people have... I think it's ironic because a lot of Jews... Are uh, who are uh, uh, you know worried about the state of Israel have a, a, a um, immediate reaction to what they know of Bernie Sanders' policy and don't want anything to do with it. But the irony of that is that I think he's a huge victim of anti-Semitism. You know, so it's <laughs> weird. Aren't we all? Fuck yeah! I mean, really, you could call this podcast just like a byproduct of anti-Semitism. <laughs> 
That's pretty extreme, Nick. Hey. Would you say that, actually? No. I don't know. I mean, but I think it does color your worldview, and you do clearly feel persecuted um, (laughs) as a comic. And this is spiritually as well. Here's my question. I'm kind of oversensitive. (laughs) It's weird that I talk to you, but I'm oversensitive, and I still am willing to talk to you. My very... uh, You're oversensitive in what? You're so cutting. Cutting? Cutting. How do you... What do you mean by cutting? You always gotta repost. Re- repost. Let's examine repost. that for a second, for just a moment. Yeah. Who cut who first? Well, that's the question, right? And that's why the anti-Semitism. <laughs> that's where the anti-Semitism stuff comes in. Yeah. Uh, no, the first, is... <laughs> the first cut is the deepest. That's what. That's my point. <laughs> But but no, uh, I think it's probably I said something you misunderstood it as insulting, and oh, then no. for years you started <laughs> critiquing. Yeah, critiquing. I'm showing him. I got this great TV. I'm showing him his own work on this big TV. He's loving it. It's true. And then, then he brought out the lines. Then he starts talking about my cinematography <laughs> for filming his stuff, and you compared it to Fassbinder, Fassbinder, Fassbinder. Everybody knows uh, that. Yeah, everybody that, knows that swell, really upbeat German filmmaker. <laughs> Um, Did he do two logs and a dog? (laughs) Was that him? Did he do (laughs) Garment Factory Day? Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Do you? You must have Rilke. Yeah, Rainer Maria Rilke. Do you have any Rilke here? Sure we do. Why don't you go get some? No, we're not going to read poetry. I can't find any Rilke anywhere. Well, we've got it here, so you can borrow it if you want. Uh, Ale Senior, back in the saddle. Well, the thing is, what I really, I guess what I'm really saying is, like, you know, Nick and I were talking earlier off uh, off camera. Off mic. Off mic about, um, you know, the riches, just the embarrassment of riches that is this room. So um, I don't know if you've ever been to, have you ever given the listening audience a tour? I'd love to do a room tour. Kind of like a 360? Yeah, I'd love to do that, put it up on the YouTubes. I haven't done it yet. It would be such a small tour. <laughs> it would just be like this 360 well, thing like you were talking about. I don't about. know. There's lots of hidden secrets There are a lot sure. of places to spend time. Drawers. I've got, Undergrowth. In the closet, I've got all these bags of shirts. You want to see? Did that, did that scene in uh, Blue Velvet really resonate with you? You know, the scene where <clears throat> Kyle McLaughlin is in the uh, closet and... Uh, I keep creating tiny earthquakes over here. <laughs> it's okay. And uh, Dennis Hopper comes in. Did that, you know? Did you only? Did you have an issue with like the closet and putting too many things in there? Maybe, maybe even hiding it. I mean, let's go a little bit deeper. You know, now that you mention it, something that was always really nice was I would go into my parents' closet, which is pretty much the same closet now, and the sort of coolness of the jackets against my face was very calming. Mm. Okay, go on. Since I did this yesterday. No, no, there's nothing else. I would kneel, and then the jackets would touch my face, and I'd smell the leather. Oh, go. Yeah. Oh. You know? You know? People know what I'm talking are about. You, are you on that ASMR tip? Is that what that this is? This would be like an ASMR thing, but uh, I didn't really put a lot of stock into ASMR, but now I do. You you've put more stock since. Yeah, I think ASMR is, it, is basically a thing. You know, it's just that it hits people in different ways. For instance, you when your child says, "I got an A," you get that tingle, right? Tingle. I don't know. Kind of a weird 
question. That sounds like something somebody with ASMR would say. Like, a t- I, I get a tingle, but um, yeah, that's what they say. It's like a, I think a that tingle. experience is more, um, yeah, generated, self-generated. Maybe. Yeah, I think a lot of things are self-generated like that. Uh, what do you think of the idea of placebos being uh, curative? What do you think about the Sandman not getting nominated for his role in Uncut Gems? <laughs> we did say we talk about Uncut Gems. So, AL, <laughs> this has been, I'm going to do a, a hard 360. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to say, what, what on us did you think of Uncut Gems on the Sega? In a Freudian level. On a Sega, it's Sega, did Sega put it out? <laughs> Is it a video game? Columns, uncut gems. Columns, where you? What do you like more? Do you like? Were you Tetris or Columns? I was Tetris, but since getting Columns, which I hadn't really played until I was until like last year, I love Columns. Those... I'm like addicted to Columns. I think Have you I ever like play Bust a Move? Love Bust. That's the best one. Do you have Bust a Move? No. Is it? Can you get it? Yeah, I think isn't that Doki? I uh, know what's it called again. It's got a Nokia? Puyo 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 Puyo. Yeah, mm. but. uh yeah, Uncut Gems. First of all, what did you think of last year as a movie year? Now, I know you. You go deep, especially back when you were working at the video store. Everything you knew, you knew everything. I'm really and glad you brought that up. Ale brought a book. You can show it. We have a camera People going. need to know about this movie right here. Can you see it? Biggles? Mr. Biggles. Mr. Biggles. can't really see it. It's it's kind of the weird. ultimate weapon, the ultimate mm-hmm. hero. Biggles. So, oh. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Some people's ASMR is bumping. What do I think about those movies? Um, the two th- the class of two thousand and nineteen. Yeah, class of two thousand nineteen. Exactly. What came out? How in- many of them did you see? Two. Okay, Midsummer came out in twenty nineteen. We didn't talk about Midsummer. Maybe earlier, but this is we're just talking doing kind of a year roundup right now. Midsummer, yeah. Irishman. Uh, what's it called? 1917, um, Uncut Gems, uh, Dolomite. Women, My Name is Dolomite, um, uh, what else is there? Uh, oh, Joker, um, you know. Did you see a Tim Heidecker's Parasite, movie, Mr. America? Yeah, Mr. America. Yeah. What a year. <laughs> awesome year. I mean, what do you think? It's you, abysmal. I mean, <laughs> if this is what counts for entertainment in 2020, then we're doomed. What hope is there? What hope is there for future generations? What? what so, we, wait, you? Oh, I see what you're saying. This is a good year for such a good year for movies that it actually ruined this year for movies. Right. Uncut Gems. What was your take? I want to know. Be honest. He really made that guy mad. He really angered. We can't do you know who I'm talking about? On that show. He really, like he. Oh, he like. Do like, you know that line in Parasite where he says, um, "Don't cross the line." Yeah. Repeatedly, so the whole movie is him doing that. Is his character Howie or whatever? Yeah. He's doing that, and to that guy specifically, like those two hoods. Yeah. Right at a company, his brother-in-law, yeah. whoever that anyway, guy was. Yeah. Eric Bogosian. He he had no ability, he had no executive functioning, he had no compassion to realize how he was like slowly like 
pointing the gun at himself, basically. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought that that was, I read, you know, I read a book, a book, I read a Twitter comment. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something about Twitter in a second. But <laughs> I read a, con a con and this is not telling you something about Twitter in a second. This is about the comment. But the comment was that Uncut Gems was a parable that had a lot in common with the uh, Cain and Abel story, which I thought was very interesting for it to say. And that's a little bit and, extreme. Well, yeah, that's for sure. Like a little. And he also said it was a, a warning against Jewish assimilation. Who wrote that? Some weirdo Some... on Twitter. I didn't really so, agree with it what does in, that mean? in total, but I thought it was a very interesting mm -hmm. factor that, you know, just all the logic of uh, the family dynamic that he had. It, it was very hard to sort out. Uh, I just thought that the full-on presentation of it was very refreshing to me. Like, I saw it in Manhattan, you know, and that was exciting. And... Uh, I think I read somewhere somebody wrote something like um, it's like they studied Cassavetes and like early Scorsese mm. and like, you know, I don't know, throw in another, you know, one or two people in the mix. Yeah, a lot, you, lots have, going on. Lots of influences. And you have like kind of like Sydney all Lumet. of the ingredients. Sidney Lumet for a perfect, just it was a perfect movie. So, but what it was, I mean, in terms of I mean, what they were going for. I mean, I mean, the me I mean, and what's important it. is the, of, about that movie is really the message of that movie. What that movie is saying, it's 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 that reason like that some movies like that can break out like just out of the box of being just mm -hmm. a movie and say something about like the times that we're really living in. So that's what really makes it unique as well. The way yeah. that Parasite was able to do that, mm -hmm. the way that um, Irishman did that in a way. The Irishman, you know, Irishman is kind of I don't know. It's problematic. Why did you find it problematic? It's problematic. I don't know. Let's we can come back to to sure. Irishman. We'll go, we'll try to go in like, order here. We'll try to go in order here. I have here. a feeling people are going to be doing like you know three day podcast marathon analysis of the Irishman in the future. Well, I the mean, future. So so you so Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems is also cool because it's kind of like the anti Irishman in a way. In that like Irishman is there's so much. Uh, fat, you could say on it. So much, so many long conversations, you know. So many long scenes, small things happening. Uncut gems. It's like he is doing an action in every moment, you know. Uncut gems is really you're observing a human being unravel and slowly mm -hmm. commit suicide throughout the whole movie, and you're actually really watching it like as an observer. And at the end, you really watch it from above, like kind of like it's like a real tragedy because mm -hmm. you see like from the perspective of that stone and from that bullet and, you know, what the utter absurdity of, of all of, you know, all of this person's uh, drives and um, mm -hmm. desires and um, worldview like. Mm -hmm. Plus, it's about ADHD. <laughs> yeah, you you find yeah, probably yeah. Has an well, there are definitely mental health issues. Un uncontrolled in it. mania, and and I think what I what I've seen from um, those brothers talking is uh, they definitely have something going on with them. You know, neurologically, there's something going on. And and I think that they mentioned their father was a bit of an inspiration for that character, and uh, so or at least the life that was around their father. 
you know and that's a lot of ways code for saying he was too you know if that's the the things that we are around are often the things that are just reflections of us right man what do you mean often i mean that's what it is like it's not you know you know when you have children people think that when they have children like they they're them and their children are their children but it isn't like that when your children grow up with you and around you and observe you and um you are the model for their behavior and that's what they soak up so or they hate it you know like what tretch i can't repeat it but tretch said it in the song ghetto bastard about yeah but you know hating something is the product of a deep dysfunction so if a person if a person comes to hate something or someone through their upbringing um, then they haven't really they haven't really understood or processed or cognitively developed. Do you think because hatred is really is really it's fear, it, it, right? It's, it's I dis- think of it as fear a lot of the time. I think I think of, of hatred as seeing a quality that you detest and you fear having yourself. There are two kinds of hatred. There's there's racial right, <laughs> three. I think. <laughs> Right there's there's <laughs> video game. There's the kind of hatred that you <laughs> bosses in when games. you get to bosses. Koopa, right, right, right. hating Koopa, right, <laughs> hating Mother Brain and Metroid. Yeah, I mean you. I mean I, you know, needless to say, I think that's actually maybe a good subject for like a ten part Cloud Landsman esque series, like <laughs> where it's like Nick Flanagan on hatred. <laughs> Where you really take it apart, kind of like Kislowski did in the Decalogue, and devote one episode. You know how the BBC, if you, <laughs> they have like those. There's some really good. There's some really good episodes where like they deal with like addiction, right? Like uh-huh. it'll be like an hour and a half on just addiction, and like, you know, oh, an- yeah, another series awesome. on sugar. Like, you know, I think sounds hopefully great. all of these things are building towards that kind of like vision, right? Yeah, you know, that a ten part series where you can really take something apart maybe i will maybe i will so wait so uncut gems so all gemini dudes which was really good what was gemini dudes gemini man is that uncut gems you're talking about is that the <laughs> was name, ang lee movie name did you put on a... i didn't see an ang lee movie oh, this year maybe i'm wrong no you might have that's actually it. a joke i'm, I'm yeah. just subtly kind of nudging wink wink and not nudging to my did infinity, to my... infinity war came out this year <laughs> what did you think of Infinity War? Infinity War was was nineteen. I think it was. I thought I thought it was very effective. Endgame, Endgame. Yes, is. yeah. yeah. I, I thought it, it was effective as well. I think it's a real, it was a real breakthrough. What do you think of Marvel movies? Do you agree with Scorsese when Scorsese? Let's, let's says, look at that for a second. Scorsese because said it's, it's incredibly. Great. He was misquoted. Okay, basically. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> is that what he? Is that what he came out and said? I mean, no, I just watched it. And he was just like, I don't like, really look, have that much I interest. Care. I don't care. Yeah, he was just like, care. I'm just not interested in these movies. They're sort of like Apparently Jim Jarmusch is like that as well. And, you know, I love both of them as a filmmaker. But let's be real. No person, living or dead, can ever tell anybody what a movie is, what experience you're supposed to have, and, you know, what the meaning of these things is. I think that there's so, a point to that. I mean, what do you mean? Like, that's the point. <laughs> Do you think it's all right to buy a Charles Manson album? 
if that money is going to Charles. It's funny Mason. that you should say that because I was that kid that like went downtown at that time and saw that Manson record on the wall. I think it was I don't know what record store was yeah. on like Queen and like bought it. Yeah, you were like I think it was on ESP or something. Also, ESP did a, a Manson LP. I mean, I was just thinking about this. You know, if you're a certain age, uh, the idea of moral choices being related to your music uh, or art art consumption was um it would have to be a pretty bad thing a really bad thing to sort of go no i feel and i think that was because of um the pmrc in the 1980s tipper gore they were all so really did that really have an effect on you or oh like, yeah that was everywhere you know like like remember raging's machine were like naked at lollapalooza with the words pmrc on their chests i don't remember that, <laughs> that happened that... one year and uh and like the that whole... didn't last very long. That lasted the term of whatever the president. But the idea was, was for that time. You know, there were a lot. There was a lot of media. I think that was controversial. And the idea was, why shouldn't I be allowed to look at this and and make my own judgment? You know. But that kind of changed for me when I saw that movie, Cannibal Holocaust. And once it got to the first piece of animal cruelty, I was just like, no, nah, no, I don't want anything to do with this ever again. And I never watched the rest of the movie. Yeah. Did you, so, you watch yeah. the whole thing? I mean, so the thing with that is, and maybe, you know, the thing with that is, and being at QV at that time, Queen it, video. is that, like, if you have access to absolutely everything, then there have to be some kind of, um, you you have to kind of self-impose sort of boundaries of right. what you'll allow yourself to watch, or else you'll just be... It's porn. You'll just be consumed by an abyss, like everything eventually. And I think you remember at that time, I wrote a script called Late Fees and Porn about working right. in a video store. Because you were, you know, this is one of those hip <laughs> video stores that also rented pornography. So you were constantly looking people in the eye as they handed you something about, you know, something gross. And that was part of the turn-on for them, if you think about it. Okay, I don't think so. <laughs> like, here you go. Here you go, man. I think you're Guess stretching. What? Guess I Well, that's what they, she said. Look, it's not... It's not it's actually very it's actually very disturbing to think about you were being I don't want to think too much about it because for sure I, rem <laughs> I remember some some unsavory Ugh. no judgment unsavory characters and uh, mm -hmm. they kind of creep their way into the script I think one of their names was Kalafu oh. and um, I think at the end it it, it it doesn't end well. I think they like, set the video store on fire at the end, and then they like <laughs> sacrifice like some kid in the back of the show. Oh no! It ends up being kind of like a porno, right? <laughs> like one of those murder pornos. I think he's just like saying that word. Murder. I like porno. Porno is a funny word. Like this is one of your porno busts, isn't it? <laughs> ah, I saw you outside the porno theater. You can't come to dinner. And on that theme. Mm -hmm. Uncut gems, uncut gems, and and Scorsese saying this, and all art being yours to define. So it doesn't matter if he doesn't think it's just personal opinion. That's all it is with him, and he doesn't watch it. He said he didn't watch Joker. I totally get it. I wouldn't want to watch Joker if I were Martin Scorsese. It's so derivative. Yeah, of him. Was it? I saw it. I mean, no, I enjoyed Joker. Joker right? was. Yeah, it was cool. Joker was very well made. Yeah, it was cool. Joker is not about the characters in Batman. It's about a far underlying and deeper 
um, and hideous comment but, on what's going on in culture and society. But I liked it actually more so on the level. De Niro's of being performance a was like totally phoned in. Yeah. I mean, did you really buy? He wasn't. He was not. De Niro. He, he was. He phoned that thing in. De Niro clearly wasn't sure if he wanted to be there. So yeah, he just you know kind of. I mean? But the fact is that he was given nothing to do. Became comedy. Characters were very flat in that movie, except for uh, the, the lead character. So, so I and also I think although it was a really well made movie, it actually wasn't very imaginatively made. And Todd Phillips is kind of a hacky director um, in a way, you know, like it, like he he didn't really. It was however much he worked with Joaquin Phoenix would define how much I admire him you know, the job he did. Because if Joaquin Phoenix brought that performance 100%, that's the movie. He's practically the director, you know? Like, because it just, it just without that, it's not even anything. But that being said, the broad strokes of the movie's choices, the sort of 70s New York vibe, you know, 70s, 80s New York vibe, the um, the casting was amazing. All the, all the people cast looked kind of monstrous or... or you know, uh, exaggerated in a, in a way, like it had a hyper reality feel. And, um, yes, the comment, it was, it, I felt like it was making a lot of comments all at once. And so that was kind of hard for me to sort. And I took the movie more like an eighties Batman graphic novel, you know, like this is a story about a rough world and it's not necessarily perfect math, how he gets to be the way he is, but there's, some level of truth, you know, to um, feeling like an outsider, mental illness that is um, interruptive, like that mental illness that is obstructive to other people or makes other people uncomfortable is mm -hmm. uh, a pretty complicated subject, right? What do you think of that? You got anything to say about that? <clears throat> I feel like you do. Like, you know. Yeah, this. I have a lot to say about it, but... um. Not I, not on this podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on another podcast next week. <laughs> What's that called? It's called Homebrew. It's uh, just a <laughs> podcast that a guy down the street is making. It's right. A, Jordan Peterson? It's a conversation. <laughs> it's an ongoing conversation about... What What was I saying? Uh, mental, mental, uh, mental illness that makes people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, the reason why that movie and that character is so pronounced and resonates with people in the culture and in society, that character, the Joker, is part of the collective unconscious. Everybody can relate to that character. And in as much as you're a comic book fan, you realize now that the age we're in and in the comic book and the storytelling and narrative era is that you can play with timeline and reality and, and no one better than Tarantino has shown us how you can play with history. And That's when been you, his whole and mission. When you, and when you can year. use characters, when you can create fiction to tell stories that play with character and time and place, I love that stuff. Well, right? the Irishman is all about that as well. You know, the Irishman... It is, but, you know, the thing with the Irishman is at a certain point you have to wonder about what is... If you if you zoom out for two seconds, what what is... What's Scorsese's commentary? What is he saying with all of the films that he's made about the mob and the well, stories? Well, I thought and... that this movie was him. That this movie was it the zoom that? out. Yeah, the, that's how no. I viewed it mm. as as the zoom out. And it's... I thought there were so many. Well, first of all, when I said you know doesn't Irishman do that? It's because and this isn't a spoiler. It's just like the the it's the book it's based on the 
possibility of some of his claims is widely disputed that it that he did them. You know, this Frank guy who, who Frank Sheeran, who who is the character, uh, the central character in the, the movie is. And on top of that, you, you know, you honestly didn't find it a little bit tired. Like at one point going like, I honestly, I, I really pose this to to you and your audience. Like, did you not ask yourself at a certain point? Why should I care about these characters? Why are these characters important? And what do these characters have to say to me? When I asked myself that question watching that movie about whatever it was, <laughs> I found myself like not knowing and not knowing, not really caring. Like, do I really need to care about these people? Like, who cares? Like, what were they? What did they accomplish? Like, what do I learn about them after all of their petty squabbles? And But that's you know, kind of the point at the end, too, is that in a weird way, the only person in that group who did something that lasted was Jimmy Hoffa. You know, because Jimmy Hoffa actually kept the Teamster Union powerful for long enough that it became ingrained in... What is, in what is the bigger message that he was telling with that movie, do you think? Because on a personal level with those characters, like, it really doesn't reach me. Like, I really... I, I Let's put it this way. Like, I really couldn't relate. Let's say that. On a level of craft, I think it was very well done. And I think, you know, other people will appreciate it for, for many other reasons. But what do you think is... What is he saying? I don't know. Is he saying something about, like... What's the takeaway, like, per, for on a personal level? I think the takeaway that I had was this was uh, Scorsese talking about, um, like, just dealing with all the issues he's ever dealt Is with. Is it about power? Is it about white male power? No, and I don't think so. Privilege? It's a little bit... That's kind of what it I is. I mean, it's a little bit about really, really misplaced and, you know, uh, male loyalty and male uh, what we think is protecting you know, but that ultimately is betrayal, whether it's it's the betrayal of your family by uh, presenting violence as as the solution and by doing crimes and saying you're, you know, like not admitting you're doing it for yourself. Because it's weird. There are so few uh, female roles of note in the movie. You could say there are none, you know, but but then. Yeah. But, but the iconography, the imagery he uses of the female characters that are in it, they stand out. Even if they don't say anything, they stand out. Yeah, if only, I don't even know what that means. But if, um, if only, No, it's because he, he's using characters who Oh, are, they're just placeholders. No, I mean, no, they're, they're referential. That's the thing. It's like, like they're, not, they're not placeholders. Nick, think they're about just it. static. Think about they're that scene. Think about the scene at the very beginning. They're in the car. The wives are in the back. They're smoking cigarettes. He says, "Put." It, he says, you know what that does to me? Put that out, right? And she insists on, well, I guess I have to roll down the window, right? Mm. She has to roll down the window. And he's like, I can't believe this. You're, you know, that's pretty much, the, the, that whole movie could have been that until they get to that <laughs> point where they stop and they look across the street and the women are smoking. And they're like, remember that place? And he's like, yeah, I remember. And it could have been, you know, and it could have been like, but look at you, this movie is, is, like, what happened with me and the Irishman was once we saw it in the theater, we didn't go to the bathroom. Oh, no. And we, uh, were, we were gripped. That, you know what? That just is, you know, that's that's like torture. That's like, I understand no, why we that didn't. No, we weren't like stopping ourselves. We weren't like, we have to You know, be. that movie will play very nicely 
in geriatric centers, you know what I'm saying? And like that we're in and retirement homes <laughs> and on planes possibly and maybe on the train. And in theaters. We saw it in uh, Yeah, theater. but I don't think it played I don't think that played movie plays well. And his last movie didn't play well. And and that was a great movie. What also. was the other movie he did? I think it was The Silence. I didn't see that one. And um why but, was it so good? Look, Scorsese is a master. There's nobody's taking that away from him. This this movie felt a little bit probably maybe, maybe the least I felt touched by it. I'll tell uh, you just because I'm I'm watching a bunch of altercockers <laughs> walking around, you know, hacking butts. Uh, the the CGI really messed me up. I Which have to we admit, it did not again. look good. We were like I'm not sorry. didn't notice that at all. I'm sorry, man. That did not. It wasn't. I was like, how old are these people? I was looking. You know, every scene I was like, kind of a bit like thrown off. You didn't like our heart. Uh, you didn't like any of the actors. No, it wasn't kosher. They should have used younger dudes. I think here's the other thing I have to say, and then we can move on to the next movie. And uh, oh, there is a movie I want to talk about. Uh, we got lots of movies to talk about. This might wind up being a movie episode, but then you're gonna play music at the end for you music heads. Oh, if <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but uh, the um, the thing with Irishman that I thought it it. Like, I just think the mob movies that uh, Scorsese makes are very interesting. And you date it back to Mean Streets. That's really his first mob movie. And it's a it's low-level hoods, but it's still a mob movie. And it's also, interestingly enough, the closest uh, uncut gems is to a Scorsese movie is Mean Streets. And, and also, just to go back about uncut gems for a second... Bad Lieutenant is a huge part of, of Uncut Gems. But anyway... Um, Interesting. That's how I view it. But, but uh, you know, all of those movies, even Mean Streets, Mean Streets at least, for me, when you revisit them... You're talking so, about Abel Ferreira. No, I'm talking about Scorsese's mob movies here. So, so Scorsese's mob movies turn out because of the, rit- the great performances, the good moments... You know, and then you rewatch them. There's actually a depth to the story that I always find fascinating, especially Casino, and uh, and and I think that Irishman has that same depth because it just has so many. I thought that the th- it was a it was a way of celebrating these three actors who are iconic in gangster movies and presenting them at their best in their seventies. You know, especially Joe Pesci. I thought. Oh, Pesci, I was, I don't know. I don't know. This is my take. Yeah, I was, it didn't hold. The center didn't hold for me. I found myself watching Pacino in those scenes with that, you know, whatever, whatever prosthetic hair that, (laughs) it it didn't look good. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it didn't look good to me. That's fair. I mean, I think that's, There's lots of people who have the response you're talking about. That just, it didn't look good. I very much hope you're enjoying this episode with me, El Senior. I'm Nick Flanagan. Thank you for listening. This is just a reminder that, you know, I put my heart and soul into this goddamn podcast. No, I love doing the podcast for you. I love uh, doing comedy. I love just making stuff. And um, people have been really great with supporting that. And I really appreciate it. It has helped the podcast. Uh, And if you do feel like supporting... You can just go to ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan. That's ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan or patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. And those are ways 
for you to drop a buck or two and get access uh, to certain patron-only, supporter-only bonus treats. So yeah, patreon.com slash nickflanagan and ko-fi.com slash nickflanagan. The links will be in the episode notes as well. Uh, Flanagan.bandcamp. I have a bandcamp. So look at my name in bandcamp and you'll find my bandcamp, which has my album on it. But you'll also get my album if you support the the donate. Anyway, here, back to the movies with Al Senior. Take care. So <laughs> now, know. moving on to another movie. So, yeah. Oh, the, I the, just... Mm-hmm. Well... You tell me. Well, The Lighthouse. Didn't see it yet. Yeah, you messed up. Dying to see it. Yeah, because that movie is, is out of this world. Really? What a year. Honestly, what a good year for movies. Like, the only movie that matters that came out last year is Parasite, and, there, and then there were some really good movies... But I mean, Parasite, the Lighthouse is one of them. Parasite's a fascinating uh, because of the timing of that movie and the the content just about class, you know, and about what people will, and about family and about family dynamics and and patriarchy and and actually I thought that the 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 patriarchy element to Parasite was really interesting. And when I say patriarchy, I mean how if you haven't seen Parasite. I don't know. I, we're gonna put. A, I have to put a spoiler alert on the whole episode, but uh, Parasite, the dad, uh, was sort of a. You know, he was like an Al Bundy type. Like he'd had his day, and they only reference it very briefly when they show pictures of him like running and getting a gold medal and stuff. You know, he was a guy who'd achieved some things, and um, and then secretly the mother in Parasite is very good at snap decisions and you know helping them out but then anyway uh, so what's your takeaway what's parasite about uh parasite beyond just the actual plot you know which is there's lots of humor and there's lots of you know the it's a great ensemble performance that's what it is you know that like why did i like parasite because it's funny because it's a bit unpredictable and because as an ensemble, it was a very good movie, you know? Uh, and then when you get into what I think it's about underneath that is just like, uh, someone who achieved a lot in a small part, like early on and then failed envies somebody in a family that has had continual success. Um, and then it's about people who are at risk or in danger or impoverished how they fight amongst themselves for the scraps, you know, or to get. I think up you one can. I think level. you can boil it down to an even more minute essence. Okay. It is like the most existential movie like I've seen in like twenty years. It deals with. Was it a beer movie or a schnapps movie or was it a DMT movie for you? <laughs> <laughs> or was it all three? All you three, did all three. three. No, it. no, completely sober-minded, folk like laser focused. Yeah, really, it's about people holding on to anything that they can, like trying to hold on to whatever they can to stay alive. Well, yeah, every person in there, every character is dealing, is trying to hold on to something to keep them alive. Yeah, um, and to ho- and to keep their place in it to stay there so -hmm. that they can on a fundamental level feed themselves which is where we are right now in society and just in terms of the city and in terms of you know just housing and that movie is really about 
housing. How are you, no, no, it's not a joke. It's like, no, it is. Where do yeah. you live? How are yeah. you going to afford to live in the world, to mm-hmm. hold a position where you can be employed and have an income, so that you can take care of your sick, and and have a relationship with your family, and not succumb to the insanity of the world. Well, look, that's uh, that's on a personal, and that is something I agree with, and that is a distillation in a lot of ways of, of you know, my, what I was trying to get at in that description, and it's like, because that's something I'm thinking about all the time, or not all the time. Right now, I've just resigned myself to like, okay, I actually have a great situation that Everything is, is relative. That is on paper... Uh, shameful or something, you know. How is the maid in that movie living? That's kind of actually one of the more fascinating case studies of Parasite is when they get into the house and they're introduced to the maid. And the maid has been there for the longest amount of time. And she was there when the previous owner who designed the house mm-hmm. sold it to the people who now live there. And what she has going on, it's like, it's... It's amazing. Yeah, no, that's... And she's great in the movie, too. Oh, my God. It's unreal. And I was expecting a lot more of a horror film uh, before I saw it. Oh, it is a horror film. Sure, but it's like psychological thriller, you know. It's it's real. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's so real. real. And I never saw that guy's other movie. Was it The Grudge? That was his other movie? Uh, The Host. The Host. uh, The Grudge. I think, did he do Snowpiercer also? Yes, I've seen Snowpiercer. And Snowpiercer is also about class, but in a very kind of comic booky way, you know. So that, Which that, I like that that's just kind of like the best movie. Yeah, I think a lot of people are viewing it that way, and I think it's it's. Uh, there isn't really any movie better to than Parasite. Cinema, on cinema. Except for The Lighthouse, which was is secretly kind of the best movie from last year. Mm-hmm. Like no one will really acknowledge it because. It's the... It's dudes. It's kind of like the most mysterious movie. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. My friend loves There's it. There's something so ambiguous at the core of it that nobody will can really take it seriously. Although everybody is going to have to deal with the reality of, of that movie at some point. Oh my god. We watched <laughs> a movie this year. It is not from this year, but we watched a movie and I think it will trigger discussion with between the two of us. We saw a movie called Seven Beauties. Oh, Visconti? No. no Lena Vertemuller. Oh, Vertemuller. I don't know it. I don't you gotta know it. see this stuff. It's nuts. I've never seen... So Lena Vertemuller is a very interesting... I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right. Vertemuller? Deutsch? I think she is Dutch, Deutsch. yeah. And she was a... She's a filmmaker. Uh, she's still alive. I think still making movies. And uh, she directed a movie called uh, Cast uh, Swept Away. In Swept the Away, the movie that Madonna remade. For Madonna and Guy Ritchie me- remade it. Wow! And the lead actor in the original Swept Away, I gotta find this. Antonio guy's. Banderas. No, I gotta find this guy's name because it is. Uh, he is like a hell of an actor. Um, Swept Away, original cast. Yeah. Um, Giancarlo Giannini. Of course. This guy. Have you seen movies this guy's in? Giancarlo Giannini? Uh, Troll um, and the Video Dead. 
Giancarlo Giannini. I mean, obviously, he's one of my top guys. Is he really? Oh, I, I don't know. Oh, oh, I do. No, yeah. this guy's an amazing actor. Oh, yeah, he's actor. in a lot of cool movies. And he's he's the lead in both Swept Away and... Oh, that's uh, very interesting. And, and in... Um, Seven Beauties, uh, and he has these eyes. You can't even tell from the photo that they're showing. First of all, this guy in 2009 looks amazing, and uh, he's uh, he hasn't actually done that many. Ah, oh, that's so funny. He was in Hannibal. I remember the character he played in Hannibal. Yeah, doesn't he? The Italian the, inspector. Yeah, he plays the inspector who gets yeah. impaled. Yeah. He gets thrown over the clock or something like that. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Or like. And uh, anyway. This guy in Seven Beauties is manic. He's doing so many different emotions. It's uh, the you know the uh, it's set in World War Two. It's it's uh, it's exaggerated. It has elements of like a Terry Gilliam movie. Like this movie, Seven Beauties, is nuts. So I really would yeah, say you should check that out. Yeah, I've heard of it. No doubt. There's no doubt. And. Uh, um, yeah, so so what about Once Upon a uh, Time in Hollywood? What about this one? Words of the Space Arc. It looks good. It's pretty Value cool. video. The year is 229 AD. So, you know, when people ask me generally, you know, like, what are your top movies of... I mean, I'm more asking about, about the movies that oh, came yeah. out this year. I don't really... Top movies in one year, I couldn't really pick. Because, you know, like, Creepazoids... Yeah, you see a movie like That's about as modern as it gets. Yeah. Well, let me read one to you and see if you've seen it. So this is the VHS video cover art book by Thomas Hodges. Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Hodges. The Dude Designs. So, yeah. So, so, um, so those of you that... Hot Dog the Movie, one of my favorites. A hilarious, raunchy, action-packed action-packed uh, comedy Taste the Sauce in Hot Dog the movie starring David Naughton Patrick Hauser Tracy Ann Smith John Patrick Rieger Frank Coppola and Shannon Tweed oh the great Shannon Tweed yeah I haven't seen that one did you see a Maximum Overdrive? never really? I never saw a National Overdrive Maximum Overdrive. Well, you know what I'm talking about, though, of right? Of course I do. Stephen King, the only movie he's ever directed. Starring Emilio Estevez. Hey, um, do you, do you ever get fan mail? you ever get people writing letters? Like physical wanna, letters? Yeah. Did, does anybody in the listening audience, did, did, did any one of you ever see this Emilio Estevez movie in Man, the Man 1980s called, um, called Wisdom? Anybody see that movie? Did I imagine that this... If you've seen Wisdom, write weeklypodcast at gmail.com. That's W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast. write into Nick? Every once in a while, I do get some emails. And if people have thoughts on movies, honestly, I want you to write me. Tell me. I'll, I'll read you. I'll, I'll debate with you. We'll talk. Listen, me and A.L., he hated Irishman with the passion. I loved it. Did that, did that come across? No. See, this, I, I think I'm just confused about it. Secret of Nim. I'm crazy That's a great for Secret of Nim. A.L. hated Giggly. I've seen Giggly 19 times. The original? All of them. All of them. Gigi? <laughs> Gigi? Wasn't... Lola? You ever see Lola by Jacques Demy? I've seen Lolita. Oh, my God. So there's this guy. Frank D'Angelo. He's going to be a big part of my life. Is he on the podcast? I don't want to get into it, but there's going to be some... This is a problematic person, but he is going to be part of my life. What? Soon. 
And uh, he directs these movies that are all bonkers. And I'll show you the trailers after this, but he get he's put Dominique Swain in many of his films, who played Lolita in the remake in the '90s, starring Jeremy Irons. Do you like the book Lolita? It's not as good as this. Teen Wolf Part Two. It's good. Did I like Nabokov? Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't read. You know, I didn't read it. I read Lolita. When I was young enough I to, know what I did. When I was young them. enough to, you know, be part of that. To be part of the culture with Lolita, I could have dated Lolita at the age I I was reading Lolita. Have you ever heard of a crime fiction writer uh, named Jim Thompson? I love Jim Thompson. Did you read The Killer and Me? Of course. Are you serious? Yes, I, I read. That's all, why we get along so I've well. Read South of Heaven, Killer and Me, Savage Night. What's the other one? Pop. 1825 I've read that one uh, The, the Getaway Are you Grifters, kidding me? You're, After Dark My Sweet Nick, You're so cool I don't know if I've read every single one but if I didn't read it I saw the movie like I think I saw the movie for The Grifters and I, I'm not sure if I read The Grifters No kidding But uh, there's also South of Heaven Yes yeah, so because I was like oh he has like a book This guy He wrote like 80 books or Yeah like, and he wrote a couple of different types of books, but but he's most well known for his uh, gothic, uh, hard boiled crime fiction, you know, southern very often. So and, I think I believe yeah. he wrote Killer's Kiss. Yeah, uh, did he? It was either Killer's Kiss or The Killing. I think it was Killer's Kiss. Then. Yeah, look at I actually look just recently it. saw that Killer's Kiss is and like I think he also wrote Stanley Paths Kubrick's. Of Glory. I think he wrote Paths of Glory. Jim Thompson is an incredible writer. No matter what genre you're talking about, this guy could write like he had the simplicity of Hemingway, but without any of that kind of um, pompous whatever it was. There's no dross. It's like just like yeah. But but you know, so if you've ever read very spare crime fiction, um, it's actually a great thing about science fiction crime fiction and even some fantasy is that the writing is very um, compact and it's really only telling you what you need to know happened, you know? and uh, The economy of the, uh, of the, the prose. The Killer Inside Me is one of the best versions of that because it's uh, um, it's actually a lot like that movie that you introduced me to by Gaspar Noé I Stand Alone. Because it's the internal, mo- the whole book is the internal, internal monologue, monologue of a killer, you know. I, I, Although I Stand Alone is a guy who's like, it doesn't even, it's hard to even tell if that guy's evil or, or what, you know. Like, but but he is definitely disturbed in I Stand Alone. So they're both the, these um, monologues of disturbed people. The end of that book is really cool. It reminds me of, um, I think it's White Heat, that James Cagney movie, right. the way that that ends, where he's like top of the world, and he just like everything just explodes around him, yeah. and like the way he comes out of the house, and you know everything just. Like, this is Killer Inside Me. Yeah, the movie. Just, no, no, the book. The yeah, book. I haven't read it in years. Um, so uh, yeah, that's so cool. Of course, that that makes a lot of sense. But it was the so. same logic that had me reading Killer Inside Me and Jim Thompson in my late teens, that would lead to someone listening to Gigi Allen or buying. Manson albums, you know, it's except the difference is one is fantasy, you know, and like Gigi Allen, I got bad news for any Gigi Allen fans is like on some level, he was leading the life that was the morals that he spoke of in his songs. So if you're supporting him, you are supporting a bad person who did some bad things. And now you're supporting Merle. And now you're supporting Merle, who's probably done worse things. But 
What does that mean? Yeah, what, I don't does, that, know. what does that mean? I don't know what it means. I This is something that I'm getting into where it's like... Is it wrong to like Bukowski? <laughs> now that we've seen YouTube clips of him kicking a girlfriend in a pathetic state? I, I, I will not read his work. I, think, I don't have any... I think bad behavior... Often cheapens. You know what I learned recently? Work. You know, I was reading the Toronto Star a couple of weeks ago, and I came across this article um, about this certain writer, this character. I th- he's like a fairly celebrated literary figure in France. I forget his name right now, but apparently, the majority of the uh, subject matter of his books are about pedophilia. Nice. And, and he wrote about it. He wrote about the, ex- all, you know, everything around it. And apparently I just recently learned that there were a bunch of very noted people at that time, like Sartre, like uh, de Beauvoir, and a whole other host of people that supported his writing and, you know, gave him a green light. And this is important writing and this writing needs to be done. And I find that reprehensible and, and inexcusable and unacceptable. And, you know, out of the embarrassment of riches that is the world we live in, where you have the opportunity to read so many different kinds of works, that's something that you don't really need to read. Like, I don't need to read about this person who made a living off of, like, subjugating... Was he a pedophile? Yes, yes. Oh, like, he well, self-confessed. And... Yeah. Where, and you know, as and as we know, in France, where anything things are... Goes. Anything goes. You know, things are a little bit more lax. They don't care. I mean, in your in Europe in general, I think there was a view of it's. I think there's mythology that go, that, that goes into excusing a lot of uh, gross teen treatment in Europe. Like, I think the idea of nymphs and you know this kind of. I think there's and and, and the painting and the statues of uh, art. You know, the sexualizing, but also the worship of beauty as a purity pure form creates a fetishization of, of, of young of young people, more so women than men so, in, in Europe, I think. And there are certain bad actors, you know, who took that too far. Well, and, like, I uh, and I don't need to support their work. I mean... No. But, but, but of course, you know, having your man that, Todd Phillips threw <laughs> Gary Glitter Rock and Roll Part 2 into Joker. Yeah, and it is... Pro- and it's very much a fuck you. You can really feel that he's doing it to really? sort of... Ch- oh, I did. I yeah. felt like he was it challenging the audience and saying, I don't care. Care what you think. Well, more like, this doesn't matter. That I am playing this song that you know because it was a hit, you know, and this person did it. And to, so I yeah. can use it wow. because to not use it is to deny something's impact on society and to erase it. And is that less or more healthy? Big questions. As long as he used the the money to give it to the victims of the, of the <laughs> I'm not joking of, of, of the families who were who were whose lives were destroyed. By I that only person. laugh because I so doubt he did that. So is that wrong? Is that wrong? That happened in the sale of those Manson records, also. When you know, I think I think that's that that should be done. If you're going to do that, and if you're going to use the artwork then use it in a way that it becomes... It's part of the discussion. Well, my friend um, is amazing at his knowledge of culture stuff. And he was telling me about um, the rest of the Manson gang outside of Charles Manson and how a lot of them... Squeaky? Like, I don't think Squeaky. I think Squeaky... Wasn't one Squeak- of them named Melba? Yeah, Melba. <laughs> Squeaky was pretty much uh, she was put down. under lock and key. Yeah, because she was just... 
she was just bonkers to to for a long time. But in the seventies, um, what's his name? Tex was there a guy named Tex? Yeah, yeah. That guy found God. Lots of them found God. There was and, a really crazy guy, but, Bobby Bosley. Yeah, yeah. I think he found God too. And uh, but and he put out a dynamite album. Sure, but but uh, but these guys found God. These well, you men have and women. to find God. And then these religious uh, imprints, publishing imprints, put out books by them where, on the one hand, they uh, uh, apologized and felt shame and and uh, admitted guilt for these crimes, but on the other hand, wrote about them in lurid detail, you know, so that people would buy the books. And that was the churches that were promoting this, you know. So it gets, uh, these things get so complicated that I feel that you have to go with just what your gut is telling you sometimes. And if you wind up being wrong and feeling like you made an error in supporting someone or platforming something or letting something in your ears, like, you just sort of cop to it later, you know. Like... You Look, do, yeah. I don't want to listen or really view anything that supports the, su the, the subjugation of other people. I agree with you. And and I'm not just talking about I'm I'm talking about mental violence. So anything that kind of create and look, obviously it's uh, it's a problem. You know when you when you like horror films and uh, you've, you know, the you've introduced me to some of the most nuts movies I've ever seen in terms yeah, of the violence and the the uh the, the level of violence. the ambiguous moralities and <laughs> but a lot of them are so exaggerated that it's not a big deal like uh, it's really Takeshi, it's really played for comedy you you introduced me to Takeshi Miike, Miike. uh who's such an incredible uh director with uh a very a varied style he's put out almost every kind of movie and but he is best known for these movies where people get cut in half and the worst things happen to people. But he often makes it so exaggerated and ridiculous that it's comedy, but it's like, right. it's surreal more than it's so comedy. So I'll tell you, recently uh, my children and I have discovered this author uh, from Japan. He, his name is Junji Ito. I, um, I highly recommend that all of your listeners and, and definitely check out this guy, Junji, uh, J-U-N-J-I Ito, I-T-O, Ito, I think it's pronounced. Anyway, I've read about, we've read about like five of his books now and um, they're hor It's they're, they're basically um, these really thick manga books, mm -hmm. graphic novels. The way that I sort of compare him, and I know this is unfair and a little bit silly, but he's really kind of like the Will Eisner of manga of that form and he uses horror as his Will Eisner as of his course, is one of the most respected cartoonists uh, graphic novelists comic book artists whatever you call and it, kind of ever. moralists and you know the way yeah. he really was was dealing what with would people. be some Will Eisner books that you would recommend to someone oh uh, you know a contract with God really that's uh -huh. that's kind of the that's really the main one and what's that uh, a contract with God is um because my exposure to to Will Eisner was actually we had this the uh, protocols of, of Zion which is <laughs> you know he did he did a, a graphic novel wow. called the protocols wow that's my flavor flav thing <laughs> you know he goes wow wow we haven't talked about flavor of love yeah, yet we're I only two hours bro we haven't talked about the protocols in like a couple of months I hate the protocols of the elders of Zion 
Zion. Yeah, my, my kids have a lot of questions. They do. They're like, There's what are the protocols? A lot of questions, Daddy. You know? So, but Will Eisner deals with that. So Junji Ito, you can use horror as a way to to examine morality. And I'm not talking about the Saw movies. Or, no, but, the, well, but like... I'm not into the... Rosemary's kind of, Baby would maybe be a movie. Oh, that that. Is there a better movie? Yeah. Like, let's get real. There's really no better movie than that movie. But... It's perfect. But this comes into the thing where you say the subjugation, anyone who subjugated someone... What happened with what happened to Mia Farrow? What, what happened? Set? Well, what happened? I mean, Mia, what Mia? happened to Polanski? What happened with Polanski? Uh, if we take his actions in uh, a vacuum, just what he did and how he dealt with it, it's hard to have any level Listen, of sympathy for him. But if you don't what? put it, in, no, 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 really? no, no, no. I'm talking about just in a vacuum. Have if you, you were just to say. Without giving any context on his life prior to those actions, if you were to say what happened, you would say, no, I'm not going to see any of these guys' movies, or I'm going to watch them with I a don't grain know. of salt. I don't know. But it's complicated. I do. Well, that's when that's what I'm saying. When you get into, okay, so his wife was the victim of like one of the most famous murders of like the two decades, and he was a Holocaust survivor. You know? So it's just... It, it's just when you put those in the mix and what that would create as a mental strain... Uh, for your life as an example of how life is ruined by life your life is ruined when they say my life is ruined part of it is because your your moral compass is fucked your whole thing everything is thrown on its axis especially if you're born into thinking that the human is capable of the most evil thing you know which is what you're born into if you're a which is really interesting when you think about said, once so upon many... a time in hollywood mm -hmm. and the way that polanski and tate are portrayed in the movie right right like they're really in it's so interesting because in a way he makes them the center of all of the events that happen around them yeah but it, but you don't learn anything new about what's what happened there it seems like he I don't know. Like, what did he do with those characters? He he didn't do anything. He didn't. He did nothing with. Those I mean, characters. he literally just had them be happy together, and then maybe be arguing together, and then it's kind of crazy. And the best scene in the whole movie that involves them doesn't involve them because it's Steve McQueen talking about them as he's looking at them. You know, remember that scene with the Steve McQueen where the guy just looks so much like Steve McQueen that it's incredible, <laughs> and uh, you know. To me, that was the scene that and he's like, she. He really just gives the him. he just gives us the the sort of Cole's notes of the story and, uh, that that's for them, which is a lot deeper uh, in real life, obviously. And you know, I thought. So that, where does it hold for you? Where does that one hold for you? Uh, like, I don't know. Did like, you love like, it? did you love it? Uh, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I I I love. You didn't love it. I love Tarantino's consistency of voice as a writer. You know, True. I think that he goes through these great phases. You know, this was the year Robert Forster died, so I think it's important to go back and take a look at the incredible performances throughout Jackie Brown. You know, because it's not just Robert Forster, although he's a standout. Sam Jackson's great. De Niro's great. Um, you know, Chris Tucker's in it for a second. Michael Keaton's great in it. You know, so so. You know, so you like that one the most? Uh, I know on a visceral level, I probably like uh, Pulp Fiction and uh, I like uh, Inglorious Bastards and Interesting. 
And there's a third one that I enjoyed. But every one of his movies has a... We'll do it. We'll have a, we'll have a Tarantino episode. Yeah, every one definitely. of his movies has a segment that really stands out to me. And Once Upon, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood actually didn't really have that for me. And I just thought it was kind of a good time. It felt like a series of MTV interstitials for like the awards they would show at the MTV awards that were just super well Yeah, it's, it you was know? weird in that way. It was yeah. kind of like the diet in Glorious Bastards. Yes, which he's been like... doing since Inglorious Bastards to like, like Inglorious Bastards to me was oh, like... Oh, the, I the disagree. Top... I mean, I think Hateful Eight. I didn't see Hateful Eight. Or Django. I couldn't feel getting that into Django. Oh, you're you're mad. I'll give it you're back. Mad. It's Shakespearean. I'll give it another try. H- Hateful Eight is as well. They're they're probably his most understated, like br- they'll they'll be in time. They'll come to be considered as really important works. It's my feeling because what they're about is actually, you know, really quite deep. I think. What about Little Women? I didn't see it. It's hard to drag yourself out to see Little Women. Like it's not like I don't <laughs> want to support. A female... I like Greta Gerwig. She, yeah, she's great. I wasn't crazy about Lady Bird, but I think she's a great actress. And, and uh, I wasn't crazy you know. about Lady Bird either, but Frances Ha is Yeah, like she's amazing. In it. And obviously she was fashioning stuff with Noel Baumbach in all the movies that she was in. So, you know, she's she's clearly a... Pa- so, and all the oh, indie so stuff perfect. she's So doing. that's a perfect segue into marriage, marriage story. Yeah. Well... And? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I that you know Noah Baumbach is one of these guys. I couldn't call him a guilty pleasure, but he's somebody... he's a bit of a masochist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except like if you watch his movies, you're a masochist. Because I I just think, but are you? He's been, he's he's been just... doing the same structure of film really since Greenberg. I would say, especially. and that's amazing. And that's amazing to see a person work mm-hmm. in one way about one kind of subject matter, like sociologically, anthropologically, and like one, what he's talking one, about. One background, pretty much as well, because a lot of these movies are about people from the and, same background. And how many people like him? He so he's so he's amazing. He's a novelist. Like what he's writing, what he's yeah. putting up there, I think is brilliant. Well, that's why I've great. always appreciated him. I appreciate him, and I appreciate Todd Salons, and I guess I appreciate Tarantino. Except, except Tarantino is one of the people where. Although Todd Salons and Noah Baumbach and Wes Anderson even could write a children's book. Like, it could be made into a book or something, most of their movies, just because they're very have to say, literary. Uh, like, they're very dialogue-driven rather than heavy. They're driven by the what what is learned by dialogue a lot of the time. Maybe you could say Wes Anderson movies are not uh, like that, but... You could describe it in flowery writing pretty well. And my point is that Tarantino, you his writing's great, and you can read, say, the Reservoir Dogs script. It reads like a play. It's fun. But you need to see his movies to appreciate the scene that he has written, you know, because to see some of those scenes in Inglorious Bastards and the way that he combines the writing with the tension of the the shoot it's just like that's how i felt about all of the uh, jonah hill scenes in wolf of wall street <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so especially the scenes in dicaprio's mansion marriage story 
I have no complaints about the actors. You know, I think it's cool. Uh, Adam Driver really is just getting his to shoot his shot, and if, if he's the best we got, he's the best we got. Oh no, that's so hurtful. <laughs> no, I, I I said that hurtfully, but I don't mean it hurtfully either. I I think he's very human, you know, and that's what I like about him. He he has this kind of brooding, relatable quality that I'm into, but he also has a bit of an innocence that you don't always see. You know, and a petulance. He's always petulant in when he sort of takes the four in these movies. Did you see Patterson? Yes. Yeah. Patterson's cool. I like him in Patterson, you know. Uh, he's great. Let's, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's a solid-ass actor. and uh, I would say I think that's yeah. a good way to, to put it. Solid ass. He has a solid ass. And, that's, and, and uh, <clears throat> apparently in the Star Wars fandom, fans are, like, saying, hating him and calling him ugly and stuff. But Well, he... He's weird looking. Yeah, I think he looks. He's no, he's a good looking guy. Nice body. Very nice. And then yeah, Scarlett is great in it, uh, but she acts like Woody Allen sometimes, and it throws me off. And, and so, yeah, you know, I almost got the same feeling you're talking about with Irishman a couple of times, where I'm like, oh, wait a minute, uh, why should I care? But you know, I have not gone through the dissolution of a relationship on that level, you know, with that many stakes. And I think either having had that or witnessing that cl- up close would probably maybe at least add to your ability, you know, make for a different viewing experience. I'm just going to say I agree with what you just said. And um, maybe now it's time to go to the musical performance. Yeah, I think we got to wrap it. But, um, but can... I don't think we can. Do you see Gridlocked with uh, <laughs> Tupac and... Uh... <laughs> I saying? saw it when I was born. Um, Tim Roth. <laughs> Larry, I'm a, Larry, I'm a cop. <laughs> Larry, I'm a cop. Larry. Anyway, that's good. That's it's for really my good. heads. It's for my heads. Look. So, what are you gonna play for us today, uh, Senior? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we're gonna play the Tenorion. Can you get this? Can you get your? Oh yeah. Can you get your peeps? Yeah, yeah. Are we on? Are we live? Is there any way we can move this microphone a little bit closer? It's perfect. Let's give the people a... Can we give them a... Yeah, that's great. Let's turn the lights off. Perfect. This is pretty restorative, right? Pretty meditative. I love it. Did you program this yourself? Oh yeah, just programmed it right now. Wow. Something that makes you weird. 
Okay, is that better than Depeche Mode? I ask you. I was playing. I was playing you the Pet Shop Boys. Hey Baker, what do you think of this? Is this better than Depeche Mode? Let's bring that even closer. Can we bring that closer to the? Uh... like a light bright. What's this called? This is called a Tenorion. A Roland Tenorion? A, is it Roland? I don't know. <clears throat> Just get your, get your Pet Shop Boys on. So, well, yeah. thank you for coming. Hey man, thanks for having me. When's our next show? February 9th? I think it's February 9th. So, yeah. um, The uh, next show will be Sunday, February the 9th. Exciting. Kurt Um, Newman comes back. At the uh, Transac, 3 to 5 p.m. Kurt had some health issues. And, uh, yeah. Now he's back. Looks like all of our prayers... um, Were answered. Were answered. 2020, how you feeling? It's like that Prince Farai record says. health, health Health and strength. What do you think of the song Sweet and Dandy by uh, Toots? <laughs> Meet me in the shed. Meet that's me. My, that's my favorite. That reggae mix. So we're going to have Catherine Walker-Jones as well and um, Colin Fisher and uh, Legion Fields. They have a group called Sizigi. Am I pronouncing that right, Colin? Colin, holler at me. Let me know if I said that right. Hey, one last... Sizigi. One last thing. I want to take a second and do an album recommendation. People say, well, what are the greatest Canadian albums? And here's one that people say all the time, and I finally have listened to, Miss America by Mary Margaret O'Hara. Incredible record. Is it? Is it? Yeah, really? I'll, I'll play it for you after this, bro. You'll love it's it. It's okay. It is okay. It's better than okay. It's a great record. Thank you for is coming. Is Catherine O'Hara on it? She might be. It's your sister. Until next time. Till first time. Hey, thanks, Nick. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. That's what we thought of movies and some other stuff. Uh, AL's amazing. You know, be sure to check him out. Any of his collaborations, uh, particularly Sacred Lamp with Doc Dunn. Uh, and just look up Dream Weapon, Dream Weapon Films on YouTube or Medusa Editions on Twitter and Instagram, and you'll get a good idea of what he's all about. Um, look up his name online, AL Senior. You're going to find some great music and a very bright guy very fun dude as you know he's al he's been on the podcast a million times uh i hope you enjoyed this episode if you did you know subscribe rate review all that good stuff or just hang out and email weeklypodcast at gmail.com if you want to be in touch all right thank you take care gonna go do a show now bye bye nick flanagan weekly Nick Flanagan Weekly.